For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. And what a great hope that is for us on this Resurrection Sunday. Happy Easter to all of you. And we're so thankful that you've joined us for worship here today at Forks. And we pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him. We had a great worship service at 9 o'clock this morning. And we anticipate another great service now as we've gathered here in this place. Uh, if you're a guest today, we welcome you. Thank you for coming, and I'll remind you as a guest, there is a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. Just go to the end of the Welcome Center, take one of those bags. There's a gift inside. There's also some information about things that we're doing here at Forks. If you have any questions, we'll all be happy to answer those questions if we can. If we can't, we'll find someone who can. But thank you for being here, and uh, we pray again that all of you here feel God's presence. Why don't you stand and greet one another on this Resurrection Sunday, and then we'll join in singing together. Alleluia, alleluia. <laughs> join as we lift our voices in praise together. It's a glorious day of celebration. You join as we continue lifting our voices in praise. Just keep for 
be seated. What a great day this is to worship and celebrate our risen Lord and so grateful for the beautiful music we've already had, for the sweet time of fellowship. We welcome you, we welcome the Holy Spirit in this place and we pray that you would fill his presence 
every week there's an opportunity if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to, to come to this altar and pray if you're in this place. Maybe you want to pray for a need in your own life for a family member or a friend, but we all need prayer. And if you feel led today to come kneel or you can stand where you are or pray however the Holy Spirit leads, I invite you to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? we pray together Father what a great day it is to be in your house to worship and to praise you our living loving Lord Father we rejoice with the angels in heaven singing praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Father this morning we lift up those at this altar and others praying from their seats or <clears throat> watching from home. Father, meet us where we are in our pain, our suffering. Father, in our grief, we lift up Jonathan and Sarah Thompson and the Thompson family and their loss. <clears throat> Would you comfort them, God, and strengthen them? Father, we pray for so many who are on our prayer list that need your divine touch. <clears throat> Father, we pray for Jeannie Mitchell having open heart surgery this week. Would you anoint her, God, bring her safely through, and bless Gary and the doctors and nurses, Father, as they give care. Father, we pray for someone or many who are watching or here that have never given their heart to Jesus. Maybe they don't know you, Lord. I pray that before this service is over, they might come to know Jesus in a real and personal way. Father, we pray for some people hurting right now. Maybe it's a marital problem or financial problem. Maybe it's depression or anxiety. Father, maybe it's guilt. I pray you would Touch them, God. Heal them. Restore peace and comfort and joy. Lord, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would just continue to flow through this service. Be with our musicians, our instrumentalists, our choir. Father, I pray that you would bless the message and the messenger. Father, I pray, as I did this morning, when I am weak, then I would be strong in and through you. And Father, I pray that you would just continue to bless and protect our country. And Father, I pray that there would be spiritual awakening and revival to break loose. And may it begin in each of our hearts. And may it begin right now, this morning. We love you, Lord, and ask that you would forgive us of anything that would hinder us from hearing you speak. 
and we'll be sure to give you all the glory for it is in the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ I pray amen Amen. This, this morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, and then we'll be flipping over to Philippians chapter 3 to read two verses, and after the reading of God's Word, appreciate our choir and instrumentalists being here both services, and look forward to hearing you all again after the reading of God's Word. Begin with verse 1, Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And then verse 10 of Philippians 3, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
hallelujah. Thank you for that beautiful message. And thank you for being here today and allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. I always like to start with a little humor. And maybe you've heard the story about the man and his wife and his cranky mother-in-law who went on a trip to the Holy Land. And while they were there, unfortunately, the mother-in-law became ill and tragically passed away. Well, the undertaker there shared with the, the husband that they could bury the mother-in-law for $150 there in the Holy Land, or they could ship her back to the States for $5,000. Well, the husband and wife thought about it, and he went back to the undertaker, and he said, we want to have her shipped back home for the $5,000. The undertaker said, what's wrong with you? You could have her buried in this special place for just $150. Why would you spend $5,000 to take her home? And he said, well, there was a man who died here over 2,000 years ago, and he was buried here, and then three days later, he rose from the grave, and we can't take that chance. So. <laughs> But I love my mother-in-law. <laughs> in 1986, Robert Fulgham uh, published or wrote and released the book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Do you all remember that book? And in that book, he gave some lessons that kindergartners normally learn when they're in school in kindergarten. But he went on to say that if adults could learn these same lessons, that our world would be a much better place in which to live. Some of those lessons that he said that were learned in kindergarten was one is uh, share everything, uh, play together, don't hit someone. I guess Will Smith didn't read the book, but anyway... When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic, hold hands and stick together. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Flush, and don't forget to wash your hands before you eat. He went on to say that goldfish and hamsters and white mice and the little seeds that are found in the bottom of a styrofoam cup, they all die, and so do we. In Matthew chapter 28, we receive Matthew's account of the resurrection story. The two Marys went to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. An angel appeared and said, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified, he is not here. He's risen just as he said he would. And they left thrilled, excited to go share with others. And then in our second passage of Scripture found in Philippians, we know that Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter. 
He was in prison because of his faith and his message of Christ. And the Roman officials were threatened by Paul. And he wrote to encourage the Christians at Philippi to stand firm in persecution, to rejoice regardless of their circumstance, to thank them for a gift that they had sent him upon learning of his detention in Rome. And he said to be humble and thankful. And I pray that we would all be humble and thankful for everything that God has blessed us with. You know, sometimes if I'm tired at night, instead of staying up to watch the 11 o'clock news, I'll watch the 10 o'clock news. And I'll turn it over to Fox 56, Lexington's Fox 56. And usually they will have at the end of the broadcast five things you need to know before you go to bed. Have you ever seen that? Five things you need to know before you go to bed. I think in this passage of scripture that Paul shared today that there are five things that we need to know before we go to bed tonight. And the very first thing and the most important thing that we need to know today is when Paul said in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3, I want to know Christ. The most important thing you need to know is that you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are hearing you're saying, Paul said, I want to know Christ. I thought he already knew him. Well, he did. He, he met him about 30 years ago when he was on the road to Damascus to search out and kill Christians and persecute Christians. And at that time, he was called Saul. And you remember when he was on that road to persecute and kill Christians, he heard the voice of the Lord. This is when they first met. And he heard in verse 4 of Acts chapter 9, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And you remember Paul said in verse 5, Who are you, Lord? And he said, now get up. After he was blinded by a bright light and brought to his knees, he said, now get up and I will tell you what you must do. That's when he first encountered Jesus. That's when he got to know him. Maybe you're here today and you know about Jesus, but you really don't know Jesus. Sometimes we know about people, but we really don't know them. I had the privilege of going this past week to a prayer breakfast with one of our members, Jason Sanderson, invited me to hear Kentucky star Oscar Sheboy speak. And you know what? I knew a lot about Oscar. I knew that he averaged over 17 points a game and, and over 15 rebounds a game. He was a consensus player of the year. I knew he was from the Congo. I knew that his Dad was a Pentecostal preacher in the Congo. I knew that Oscar was a Christian, and I loved the fact that when he got up to speak, he didn't go on about how he was a star from the University of Kentucky and he was a player of the year and 
You know what he said? He introduced himself as a follower of Jesus Christ. That was far greater than any of his accomplishments that he had achieved. He was a follower of Christ. And I think about what Paul said, if you go back a few verses in Philippians chapter 3, 7 and 8, he said, now to whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. He went on to say, I consider everything garbage or rubbish that I might gain Christ. You know, Paul was saying all of my earthly accomplishments, his rich Jewish pedigree, a Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin, he, he had all these accolades, but he said, I consider them all garbage compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And that's the way we all should be. Nothing should compare to the knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus as our Lord. Do you know him today? I mean, do you know him personally? When you know him, you will know of his love, how much he loves you. When you know him, you will know of his forgiveness, that he forgives you. When you know him, you know of his goodness. You'll know of his righteousness. You'll know of his holiness. You will know just how great God is. And how do you know him? You come to know him through talking to him. You've heard that saying, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love. T-I-M-E. You get to know him by talking to him through prayer, through his word, through worshiping with other believers. That's how we get to know Christ. Do you really know him personally today? Maybe some of you all, like I, watched the Masters Golf Tournament last weekend. And 25-year-old Scotty Scheffler led from day one all the way to the last day. And maybe you saw in the press conference when he was wearing his green jacket that he'd received, he said, my identity is not in my golf score. He said, I play golf to glorify God. And he went on to say that his wife told him before that last day, he said, if you win, that's great. I love you. I'm proud of you. But even if you lose by 10 strokes on the last day, I want you to know that I love you and that Jesus loves you. I didn't really know Scotty Scheffler before the Masters, but I'm his number one fan now, let me tell you that, because his identity is in Christ. How many of us try to place our identity in what we do? Let me tell you, young people, sports should not be your identity. Adults, some of you all work, and you try to say your identity is in your work. For all of us, we are more than what we do. It's who we are in Christ. And we are his children. And he loves you and me. 
And I pray that all of us would feel that worth and love and mercy and grace when we know Jesus Christ personally. Before you go to bed tonight, I pray that you would know Jesus Christ. Paul knew him, but he wanted to know him even more. He wanted to grow and know Christ even more than he'd ever known him before. But not only does he say to know Christ, the second thing you need to know before you go to bed tonight is the power of his resurrection. He said, and yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, he said, uh, if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching would be useless, and so would your faith. If Christ had not been raised, our preaching would be useless, and so would your faith. He said in Romans 8, 11, who uh, had raised Christ from the dead, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies because it is his spirit that now lives in you. So did you know when we know Christ and we invite him into our hearts, then we receive the Holy Spirit which gives us supernatural power. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 10.9 says that if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Did you know God gives us his grace and his son Jesus as a gift? We can't earn it. It's only through his grace and through his power. And some of you are here today, and you're wanting to know, does God really have the power to help you? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, he does. Through his supernatural power, he can help you to overcome your temptations today. Through his supernatural power, you can smile through your tears. Through his supernatural power, he can help you to break that addiction that's been getting the best of you. Through his supernatural power, he can mend your broken relationship. Through his supernatural power, he can bring you joy and peace in the midst of your trial and your burden. I ask you to claim and to memorize the first Sunday of the new year, Ephesians 3.20, when Paul said, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. God is able. Say that with me. God is able. I hope you've been saying that every day. At least once a day, I'll say, God is able.
whatever you're going through. And when Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, everything through Christ who gives me strength, he's talking about that resurrection power that was inside of him. I can do all things, everything through Christ who gives me strength. Something else Oscar Shibway said at that prayer breakfast, uh, he said, people ask me how I'm so good. <laughs> my wife will appreciate my imitation of Oscar Shibway, especially when I sound like Peter Brady with his voice changing right now. But anyway, he goes, people ask me how I'm so good. And he said, I tell them it's the power of God living in me. He said, I am made in his image, and I have his power. Isn't that beautiful? Man, not only do I love Scotty Scheffler, I love Oscar Sheepway. Because they're both committed Christians, and they realize where their strength and their power come from. They come from the Lord. But the next thing you need to know before you go to bed tonight is that you may participate in his sufferings. Paul went on to say, I want to know Christ, and yes, the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Did you know if you really want to follow Christ, you're probably going to have to suffer? You know why? Because I told you, this isn't home. We are called strangers foreigners, aliens, because we are just pilgrims on our journey home. If you feel like you don't belong, if you feel like that you're hurting and suffering, it's because you are a child of God and we are just traveling through on our journey home, which is in heaven. So sometimes we're going to suffer. Peter said in 1 Peter Chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. My dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So we know because of the verse I share often out of John 16, when Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So we know we're going to suffer. We're going to go through hardships. Recently I visited someone who's battling a terminal illness. And I shared at the early service, we're all terminal. Did you know that? Just as your milk jug has an expiration date, we all have an expiration date. We don't know when, but we're all going to expire unless the Lord returns first. We're all going to expire. And I visited with this person, and as they were on oxygen and laboring to breathe, they said, the Lord and I have had some long talks and a lot of questions. And I said, I'm so sorry that some of those questions will not be answered 
until we're over there on the other side in eternity. And I said, did you know the reason why we have pain and suffering? is because when God put Adam and Eve, the very first two people in that beautiful paradise, Eden, he said, don't eat of any tree. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one in the, mid and the, one in the middle, because if you eat of it, you will surely die. And you all know the story. They ate. That's when... The relationship was broken and sin came into the world. That's why we have pain and suffering and ultimately death. But my friend went on to say, but I'm ready. I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross to save me of my sin, and I'm at peace whenever that time comes. What about you? Do you have that same peace if the end of your life were drawing near? I pray that you would. But not only do we need to know that we're going to participate in his sufferings, but it said, and somehow becoming like him in his death. The fourth thing you need to know before you go to bed is you must put to death your earthly nature. Put to death your earthly nature. We have a spirit and flesh, and we struggle with the flesh, don't we? Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 7, he said, you used to walk this way when you lived like this before. You know, once we come to Christ, we must put to death. We baptized at the early service today a family of five. They made their public profession today and were baptized today, praise the Lord. And when they went under the water, it was symbolic we are buried with Christ in baptism, just like he was placed in a tomb. And then you rise to walk in newness of life. Just as Jesus died and was buried and he rose from the grave, we have our sins washed away. We rise to walk in newness of life. Repentance is when we were living like this and repent means to change your mind, your change your heart and your direction. This is how I used to live, but now I'm living for Jesus and I'm walking a whole new life. Have you put to death your old sin and know that Christ loves you and forgives you? John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ Jesus now lives in me. And I pray today that before you go to bed tonight, you'll put to death anything that's standing between you and the Lord. Yesterday, I had the honor of praying at an Easter egg hunt. 
And as I was there waiting for my time to go pray, a buddy of mine from high school came up to me and said, hey, Ty. I said, hey, man, how's it going? We spoke for a minute, and he said, I just want you to know, I've been running. Well, I thought he meant he had literally, that day, he wasn't sweating. He, he wasn't dressed to run. He said, I've been running. And then it was a light bulb moment. I thought, he's talking about he's been running from God. He said, I've been running. I said, oh, I said, well, man, you need to stop. And he said, I'm about to. He said, I've been talking to him. I've been reading the Bible. And I've been going to church and talking to my pastor. And he said, Todd, and I don't say this arrogantly or boastfully, because I'm a sinner saved by God's grace, like all of us. He said, man, I, I appreciate you that even in high school, you tried to walk a straight line and do the right thing. And he said, I respect you for that. Young people don't think that your friends aren't watching you when you're walking down the hall or playing on your team to know that someone's always watching you. Again, I'm not perfect. I made many mistakes in my life, but it meant so much. And he said, man, he goes, I'm, I'm about to stop. And he goes, and when it happens, and he was talking about giving his life to Christ, being baptized, and he goes, when it happens, I'm going to let you know. I said, well, praise the Lord. I would love that. And I, I'm so proud of you for making this commitment. I would be willing to say some of you are here, and y'all been running from the Lord a long time. You felt conviction in your heart. And you know there are some things you need to stop doing. You just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. We tell our children, if you're really sorry, then you're going to stop making the same mistakes and doing the same thing over and over and over again. If we're really sorry, then we stop and say, Lord, now help me. Strengthen me because I can't do it on my own. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But the very last thing, the fifth thing you need to know before you go to bed tonight is the promise of eternal life. Is the promise of eternal life. In verse 11, Paul said, and so somehow to retain the resurrection from the dead, we must have the promise of eternal life. Bill quoted it earlier, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Jesus was praying to his father in John 17, 3, when he said, now this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life, to know God the Father and Jesus the Son and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Do you know today 
without a shadow of a doubt that when this whole life is over, and let me tell you, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. James 4.14 says, why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Really, what Paul had learned is what is really the most important is his relationship of knowing Christ. And I pray that's most important for you, that you would know that you have the promise of eternal life if you were to die tonight. I close with this. It was on March 31st that a cross-country track and field team had gone from Milligan University to run in Williamsburg, Virginia in a race. There were three athletes from Milligan who were doing a practice run before the race. And you might recall the story, as they were running, a drunk driver hit them, killing one of the young men and wounding the two others. One of the young men's injuries were worse than the other. Bob Shaw, one of our members, brought that weekend and showed me on his phone on social media a video that Alex Mortimer, who survived the accident from Lexington, Kentucky, a senior at Milligan University, had posted from the hospital room. And it touched my heart and certainly moved me. And I pray that what Alex said would touch your heart and move you to make a decision as well. Watch. Hello, Milligan University. This is Alex speaking to you from the hospital bed, and I just want to give an update on my current status. I was just informed that it seems the worst of my injuries is my broken leg and a dislocated shoulder. I want to exhort and thank all of you all for praying for me, for the Milligan team, and for the university and institution. I just, I, I want to say that moments like this make you realize what is and is not important in your life. And my exhortation to our school tonight from Williamsburg, Virginia, is do not, do not forsake or discount the beauty and the gift of life. It is like a vapor and it flashes before our eyes. I just want to thank you all for praying for me and for the, for the Kramer family, for the Baldy family, for the cross-country and track team. And I, my desire that as an institution and university is that tragedy, even in as sorrowful and, and devastating as it is, that there is a beauty that can arise from ashes. That's what the scripture says in the book of Psalms. And so my exhortation, Milligan University, to you is to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do not know him, he wants to know you. He wants to know you. He loves you and he died for a relationship with you. And he doesn't want us to have to spend eternity apart from him. In hell, he loves us so dearly. And he wants fellowship with us. And in as 
tragic as this is, and in just the brief moments of me being awake, I can feel God's presence in a way I've never felt. And so the hope that I exhort you, Milligan University, in this time is that we would cling to the Lord because the scripture says that he will never let the righteous be shaken. For those of you who may not know him, but you care for us, I still thank you so much. I want to let you know, though, the most important thing for me right now is that Jesus Christ, the God of this universe, will be exalted and that every single one of us at Milligan University would have a relationship with him. God bless you all and thank you, every single one of you that's praying for this team. Have a wonderful night. And as time and ability permits, there will be updates sent. God bless you. May we pray together. God, I thank you that Alex survived that terrible accident. But Lord, even if it had have taken his life like it did a teammate, Alex has the promise of eternal life because he knows you as his Lord and Savior. And Lord, that even in his pain and suffering, his prayer was that we, others, would come to know you as well, and know your love and the fellowship with you. Lord, if there's anyone here today that's never received Jesus into their heart, may they have the the courage, the boldness to come and accept you today and begin this eternal journey of living for Jesus. Lord, maybe there's some Christians that have gotten off track. They put other things before their relationship with you. Their priorities are out of order. Lord, I pray that some Christians might come back to you today and say, I went to seek first Jesus and God and his kingdom and righteousness and know he's going to take care of all these other things. Lord, maybe there's some people looking for a church home. We are not a perfect church. I am not a perfect pastor, but we serve a perfect God. And as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, there's no fault in him. Oh God, thank you for being patient with us and for waiting for us. I pray that we won't keep you waiting any longer because we're not promised tomorrow. Give us the strength to come. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand at this time. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment. It'd be my privilege to pray with you whatever you're going through today and give your heart and life to Jesus. He wants to come into your heart so badly. Won't you let him? as we sing together.
Amen. What a great day this has been. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for putting up with my scratchy voice. I've been without a voice about two weeks, much to my wife and my family's pleasure. But the devil didn't win today. I squeaked it out. To God be the glory, great things he had done. Thank you all for coming. I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today and that you would be challenged to know Christ even more and to live for him who is willing to die for you and for me and that he rose from the grave to show we have victory. Whatever we're going through, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I pray that as you're leaving, uh, there's a photo booth. If you want to get your family photo, great. Don't forget, if you're a first-time guest, there's a gift for you at the Welcome Center. Hope you'll come and worship with us again real soon. Please know how much God loves you, and I love you as well. And a happy and blessed Easter to you and your family. Would you close us? because you live. Bless every single person here. If someone came in today not feeling loved, may they know how loved they are and that they're forgiven. And may they leave with hope because there's a better tomorrow when we know Christ. And what a day that will be. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.